0: You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, it's your wedding day. Uh, We've already had that moment when the doors at the back have opened and revealed the bride in all her beauty and glory, her splendour, her radiant joy. The groom has looked upon her full of love and nerves, and you've stood there, before God and the people and said those solemn and joyous vows. The recessional was truly moving as you went down the aisle to the wailing of either Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston. (laughs) You get out of the church and of course your family is the first ones to come out of the church with you. There's your mum and your dad, your aunt, there's Uncle Frank who you were hoping wouldn't turn up. And of course the bride's mother-in-law from her first marriage all the people pour out of the church but it, instead of coming to congratulate you they all gather around her the the bride's mother-in-law from the first marriage and they're all celebrating and honoring and blessing her and it's crazy isn't it as a picture It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but it's actually the picture we get in this passage, Ruth chapter 4. This is how the story of Ruth ends. Uh, This morning we come to the end of one of the greatest love stories ever written, the love story of Ruth and Boaz. And we come to the joyful wedding and celebration amongst the community But in some ways, it's a really surprising end because the focus isn't on Ruth and Boaz, the bride, but on the mother-in-law from the first marriage. The focus is on Naomi. I mean, you would have thought that the story would end celebrating the love of Ruth and Boaz. You would have thought that at the birth of their first child, Ruth and Boaz would be getting all the attention. But in our passage, the end of this love story focuses almost exclusively on Naomi. And as wrong as that might have been at your wedding and my wedding, at this wedding it's actually entirely good and right. Because this is a love story that celebrates Ruth and Boaz's love, yes, but even more than that, it celebrates Ruth and Boaz's love for Naomi. Naomi. A love that has been self-sacrificial and costly. A love that has transformed. Well, we've seen this from the very beginning, from uh, chapter 1. You'll remember the terrible plight of this refugee family and how Ruth, out of love for Naomi and faithfulness to her newfound God, made the extraordinarily costly decision to go back with Naomi to Bethlehem as a Moabitess into a land in which she was the enemy. And you'll remember from chapter 2 how she kept on loving Naomi, that she was willing to go out and work in the fields to brave the dangers of the fields as a single woman in a strange country and work the entire day so that Naomi would have something to eat. It's a love story about Ruth's love for Naomi. It's a love story too about Boaz's love for Naomi. At the end of chapter three, we've discovered that although Boaz is a kinsman redeemer and therefore well-placed to marry Ruth, we discovered that there was someone who is slightly closer and would have the first call on the redemption. And so suddenly the story has, has taken a bit of a twist. Now in every romance, every rom-com you ever watch, uh, the story is pretty much the same, I'm sure you will have noticed. It begins with two people at first, they're, they're so different, it's kind of completely against the odds that they end up together, but they do, they, they end up together and they fall in love and things all seem to be going really well and then comes the twist something happens to derail the relationship. And even though you know that these two people are really meant to be together, it looks like they're not going to be, and the big question is, the big tension is, will love win out? Well, the first half of chapter four is that bit of the love story. Boaz is in love, he's keen to marry Ruth, And he sets out to the city gate where all the business of the town happens. And in another little providential nudge of God's love, it just so happens that the very kinsman redeemer, the the spanner in the works of our love story, happened to be walking by. And so Boaz grabs him and takes him to the gate. He grabs the ten elders of the village. Uh, and they sit down at the gate because this is where all the business happens and he wastes no time. And so uh, Boaz says, he he sorts it out. He says, I don't know whether you realised, but uh, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, uh, is selling a parcel of land that belonged to Elimelech and uh, you are the the kinsman redeemer for that family. You're the closest, and so I was just wondering whether uh, you would like to redeem it. And you can almost hear the casual nature of Boaz's question. You know, just wondering. Uh, whereas in his heart, he's going, please say no, please say no, please say no. Uh, and so uh, he says, "Will will you? And the man says, I will redeem it. And we say, no, no, that's not how the story is meant to go. You're meant to say no and then Boaz gets together with Ruth and the happy you know, wedding happens at the end and we all live happily ever after. This No, this is not how it's meant to end. And I think Boaz is probably thinking of the exactly same thing in his heart as he says, I will redeem it. Suddenly his hopes of marrying Ruth have been dashed. But like every good leading character in a romance, he does not give up. He steals his nerve, he he keeps on going. He spells out what it would mean for the person to redeem the field. The day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi... I don't know whether you noticed, but you would also be acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name in his inheritance. Well, when the deal is actually spelled out to the other man, the man has second thoughts. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm not going to redeem it. Uh, I I can't do it without damaging my inheritance. So I tell you what, take my right of redemption for you, uh, for I cannot redeem it. And he realizes it's a really bad deal and thinks, well, if Boaz is dumb enough to take that deal, I, oh, I'm gonna leave it to him. Because in ancient Israel, it was, it was really important for people that land stayed in the family and the family name continued. I think it's, it's important to lots of people even today. And so the deal here is the kinsman redeemer gets the field but he also has obligations to Naomi and Ruth. And any children who are born of Ruth will inherit the land of Elimelech. So this is basically it. The Redeemer pays a whole lot of money. He has to pay all the money to maintain Naomi and Ruth. He also has any kids, uh, not his, but they're legally Elimelech or Marlon's. And so his family doesn't even end up with the land. And so to redeem Naomi and Ruth is immensely costly and dangerous for your inheritance. But see, Boaz's great love for Naomi here and for Ruth. It's, it's just as costly for Boaz, uh, perhaps even, even more so, because as far as we're aware, Boaz doesn't have any other wives, he doesn't have any, any other children. And they're certainly not mentioned at all. If he marries Ruth, his own family line comes to an end. His name is lost to posterity. And his own property goes to the family of Elimelech. It costs him everything. And yet he does it. He does it anyway. In all of this, He's acting as a kinsman redeemer, not necessarily for Ruth. He's got no kinship with her. She's a Moabitess. In all of this, he acts as kinsman redeemer for Naomi, a costly, sacrificial love for Naomi as well as for Ruth. Well, I wonder, as you look at the the people that you know, uh, perhaps there are people who are struggling in different ways and I wonder what it is that's stopping you from helping them. Uh, Sometimes there can be two different kinds of things that stop us. One is that we feel like we don't have enough. We don't have enough time, we don't have enough energy, we don't have enough money, we don't have, we just don't have enough. Like Ruth didn't have enough. She didn't have anything and yet She was willing to do that sacrificial, costly thing for Naomi. The other thing that can stop us from helping others uh, who are in need is sometimes it's that we have too much. We've got too much. We're comfortable. We're in our prosperity. We're, We're really busy. Like we're running a business or doing whatever it might be. We're too busy for it. Kind of like Boaz, isn't it? I wonder, if there's a Naomi in your life who God is calling you today to love in a costly and sacrificial way? Are you willing to put anything on the line for someone else? Well, in this story, doing so transformed the life of Naomi. And I can tell you it doesn't take much to transform people's lives when you love them in a costly and sacrificial way. Well, this is a love story that celebrates Ruth and Boaz's love, yes. But even more so, it's a love story about Ruth and Boaz's love for Naomi. And that's why the conclusion of this love story is all about Naomi and the fruits of this self-sacrificial and costly love, a love that has actually transformed Naomi's life, totally changed it. And, you know, one of the things I love about the, the Hebrew storytelling is that this is such a carefully crafted piece of literature. In chapter 1, you have 71 well-crafted, compact, carefully placed words in the Hebrew. In chapter 4, you have 71 compact, well-crafted words of Hebrew. And I think what the author is doing is he's he's saying in a very subtle way, compare the two. He's drawing us attention to the beginning and the end. He wants us to make the comparison to observe the transformation of Naomi. The beginning and end of this story finds us in a really different place. Naomi begins in famine, she ends in celebration and plenty. She begins empty, she ends up Naomi begins in Moab, away from her place and her home. She ends in Bethlehem. Naomi begins with the loss of family. She ends with abundant family. With Ruth, who is uh, noted in the passage, is better than seven sons. And Boaz and that beautiful picture in verse 16 of the child in Naomi's lap. And her love and care for him. Naomi has begun surrounded by death. She ends with new life. She begins in suffering. She ends in joy. It's a picture of the filling and the fulfillment of Naomi. This is the transformative power of sacrificial and costly love. This is what it does. And perhaps you're in a bit of a dark spot now. Or perhaps things are hard. When I've been in those places, uh, I know I've looked at life and i felt like, you know, it, it, it will never change. This is just how life is. It can't be different. Well, have hope because life can change. It can change fundamentally. It can be transformed. There's a light that you may not be able to see that can bring colour and life again. I pray that God will bring a Ruth or a Boaz into your life. But actually, the truth is, Naomi's life is ultimately transformed by the providential love of God. A love that has run through this story like a golden thread. A love that is there for you today. God can transform your life. And he's doing it all over this world today in the lives of many people he's doing it all over the world through lots of people and i'm sure there are many people in this room where you can look back to a dark time and you can see the providential and costly love of god transforming your life you've seen it happen the end of this love story is really it's a little package of answered prayer uh, a little package of providential love at different points of this story there have been prayers to god prayers that have found their answer in the beautiful conclusion to the story that we have here as we're just going through uh, in your own time and having a look at all the prayers in ruth and see how they get answered in chapter 4 but i'll give you a couple uh, so in chapter 2 verses 11 to 12 boaz prayed a blessing for ruth may the lord reward you for your deeds and may you have a full reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And God answers Boaz's prayer with Boaz himself. He's the answer to his own prayer. God gives her family and a place in marriage. When they came together, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. The Lord, in his providential love, honours Ruth. Ruth. Again, there's another prayer uh, that is a blessing. It's actually prayed over Boaz as the people lord Boaz's sacrificial love. So chapter 4, verse 11, May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem. So you remember that the great danger for Boaz in redeeming Naomi and Ruth is that his name ends, uh, his posterity is gone, and uh, that his inheritance is endangered. And so their prayer is really saying, let none of that happen. May may your name be great, and may you bestow a name upon Bethlehem. They prayed that Boaz would be blessed with children, and actually the Lord answers that prayer in the very next verse. They pray that he'll have a name and make Bethlehem famous. And we see its fulfilment in verses 18 to 21. A little collection of names. So often when we come to genealogies in the Bible, uh, we kind of switch off. I mean, there is a kind of delicious tension when the reader gets up and you see the list of names before you. And you think, are they going to manage it? It's kind of like when you watch a trapeze artist. The tension is there because you're wondering if they're going to fall. And so as the reader gets through the names, you're thinking, oh, when's the stumble going to happen? There's that kind of delicious tension. But uh, by the way, Jimmy and Julie, you did did do well. Uh, You didn't fall. Good work. Uh, But usually by the third name, the mind begins to wander. So Perez became the father of Hezron. Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, and the eyes begin to close, Aminadab of Narshan, Narshan of Salmon. And you think, this is probably why J.K. Rowling never ended any of her books with a genealogy. Uh, Salmon of Boaz. Oh, Boaz. A little spark of interest. Uh, we've heard that name. We know Boaz. Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. King David. Uh, King David, who is the greatest name in all of Israel's history. King David, who brought untold fame to Bethlehem. They prayed for a name for Boaz, who had so endangered the possibility that his name would endure as he continued Limelech's line through Ruth. And suddenly we discovered that Boaz is the great-grandfather of the greatest king that Israel has ever known. And 3,000 years later, and at the other end of the world, Boaz has a name and Bethlehem is famous throughout the world and we're talking about him today. Do you think God answered their prayer? Yeah. But of course it doesn't finish there, does it? Because this is a genealogy that we've seen before. Every Christmas your eyes have probably at least brushed this genealogy. There is one other occasion in all of scripture that the names of Boaz and Ruth are mentioned together. And we've heard them already uh, this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The name above all names, the child that came into the world, born of the greatest love story that has ever been told, the love story of Ruth and Boaz, yes, but even more, the story of God's great love for his creation, God's great love for you. Then the women... Said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, without a kinsman redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life. You know, the women spoke about the child Obed, but they prophesied about our Lord Jesus Christ. Our kinsman, he became one of us. Our redeemer, who paid with his own blood the price for our sins upon the cross. The one who who has restored our life and given us eternal life as we trust in him and follow him. And so in this little love story, in this little town, in this little country among normal and everyday people, God, in his providential love, brings them into his saving plan for the entire world. And Naomi never saw it. And Boaz never saw it. And Ruth never saw it. They just got on with being godly and faithful as they followed the Lord. And God worked mightily through them. You know, that is actually how God works over and over again in the Bible. He just takes normal and everyday people. He takes normal and everyday people like like you and like me. And he brings them into the great love story that he's been weaving since the beginning of time. And he uses their faithfulness and their love to transform individuals, yes, like Naomi, but transform this world and draw it into the great story and bring it to that which God is going to bring us all to, the great restoration of all that he is doing. The end of every tear, the end of all the pain, and the end of all the darkness and life eternal with him. That's what God does. He takes everyday people and weaves them into his story. And you may never know what God has done in your life or through your life. Sometimes God does give us a little glimpse uh, in his loving kindness and we get to see in the life of someone else what God has done through us. But it doesn't often happen. Ian O'Brien, he's a Christian man, he's an Australian, he's written a whole lot of uh, commentaries that have been uh, used by ministers and pastors all over the world. Now, humanly speaking, he is a Christian because of his mother's neighbour who had MS. She'd been dying of MS for 12 years, and, but she was a woman of faith. And she did it with such grace and such faith, and witness to the goodness of the Lord Jesus, even in those circumstances, that his mother came to Christ. And Ian was brought up in the faith and now there are people all over the world benefiting uh, from his work. And God is changing the lives of people in churches all over the place because of what happened. Now, his mother's neighbour never knew. She was just getting it on being faithful, being godly in the little that she had. But it transformed her life. It's a story that's happening all the time. And I, I guarantee you that if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you're seeking to live for him, he is weaving you into that big story as well in ways that you don't even know and can't even imagine. Be sure that God is making your story big, even when you can't see it. We don't often see the splendour and magnitude of what God is working through us. Well, Ruth is a love story. It's a story of Ruth and Boaz's love for each other, a story of their costly and self sacrificial love for Naomi, and the story of God's providential love for us all it's a marvelous story it's uh just wonderful and i encourage you to go home and just read all four chapters this afternoon it doesn't take too long but it's a beautiful story a story that calls us to live the love story that's redeemed and transformed all those who have been caught up into the story of jesus and catches us up into the plans of god himself a small book but gosh what a grand ending Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that something that you've, you've worked into the world, it seems, is that costly self-sacrificial love transforms. And so we thank and praise you for the good example of Ruth and Boaz in their sacrificial love for Naomi. And Heavenly Father, help us to see in that story just a little resonance of the grand story of your self-sacrificial love for us in taking us empty as we are and filling us. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that each of us here today might have a sense of your providential care, your love for us, and Father, if there are any here who are not yet part of that grand story, Jesus's story, who who don't yet follow him, I pray, Lord, that you might be at work by your spirit and weaving them into your story too. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you for the glory of the grand story, that we are part of something much bigger and that you are at work in our life and bringing that grandness into it, even in the the every day and so father we thank and praise you we honor you and we look forward to that day when we can look back and see all the wonderful things that you've wrought from our lives we pray this in jesus name amen